podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. He was retired and enjoying life and they brought him back. Have you never seen an old master return to their craft and get really good? It's fine. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast, episode 94. Yeah. My name's Daniel. Hello. I'm Carl. Welcome back, Carl. How are you? I'm good. I have had some holes drilled into my back. Um, those holes have now mostly healed. Um, to If you're one of the strange people who don't follow me on Twitter but listen to Talking Tactics, three weeks ago I donated bone marrow to someone, so they drilled some holes into my back, and now I've recovered. Um, it's the most selfless thing I've ever done in my life, and I would recommend you all look into donating bone marrow. So go do that. Hooray. After Carl's um, very selfless act, I'm going to ask you to do something selfless. If you could follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, that would be great. Um, if you could follow us at SoundCloud.com forward slash Talking Tactics, please do that. Instagram, Facebook, you'll find us somewhere. Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to this on our iPhone or iPad or MacBook, we are on the Apple Podcast Store. I'm trying to pull up because we did get a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the show. From a guy called May 19th, 2012. I'm assuming this is a Chelsea fan because that's when we won the Champions League. Um, I don't have any social media accounts, but I would like to send in some questions sometimes. Do you guys have an email address? I can send them to Stay Black. So thank you for the five-star review. Uh, We do have an email address if anybody, for some reason, doesn't have Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, It's TalkingTactics at Mail.com. Not Gmail, but just Mail. So thank you for the five-star review. If you're if leaving reviews is your thing, please drop us one. What do you what, do you want to start with City winning the league or do you want to start with Champions League? Um, let's let's include all of it. I've seen the theory posited, but has this been the best seven to eight days in football history? So taken from <laughs> April seventh, where Manchester United came from two goals down to defeat Manchester City, to basically this Sunday when West Bromwich Albion defeated Manchester United, has this been one of the best seven to eight day periods in footballing history, at least modern footballing history. So what we've got, we've got two, we've got a massive, what we thought was a massive momentum swing in the Premier League. We then get two incredible upsets in the Champions League quarterfinals. And then we get a proper relegation six-pointer in Crystal Palace versus Brighton. And then a momentum swing right back with the league eventually being given to Manchester City in England. PSV Eindhoven also won the Entrevista in the Netherlands. And in France, PSG defeated Monaco 7-1, I believe, to secure the French League. So, uh, Am I right in saying that the day before United beat City 3-2, Bayern won the league that Saturday in the Bundesliga? Yep. I believe so. So, so. this may have been one of the most eventful eight days in modern football. And now we're sort of in the hangover period, are we not? I was going to ask you, now that you listed all those things, like what's your favorite thing that's occurred in the past week? This week, oh Lord, um, the, actually, yeah, Roma. Roma coming back against Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite part about that? Oh, no, no. I'm not the, no, the very fact that um, nobody in their right mind thought Barcelona 4-1 up, unbeaten in La Liga, unbeaten in the Champions League, would lose 3-0 to Roma. It is the it is the greatest ever comeback 
over a two-legged thing in in Champions League history is greater than the than the Deportivo AC Milan because Deportivo was still good, and it's greater than the ones that Barcelona did. So yeah, it is the greatest ever like comeback from a two-legged no no knockout game. You think Roma's comeback is more impressive than Barcelona over PSG? Yeah, because it's first of all it's it's flipping Barcelona, and PSG are a team who. It may, they've been look good on, on, on people, but they've never really done it. And it's, it was Barcelona with Neymar Randy, the greatest ever front three in club football in Neymar, the Cannibal, and Messi. So that was amazing. But for me, what Roma did is far better because it's flipping Roma, whose only world-class player is Alice, going up against a team with Lionel Messi and so forth, who, are, who may remind you, have not lost a game in La Liga or the Champions League. So for me, the, what Roma did is, is the best comeback, easily. It's a convincing argument. The most memorable moment has to be... Buffon getting a red card. We, I, I don't know if we should even have the argument over whether it was a penalty because we've kind of gone through this uh, in our in our group chat. So I don't know if, if you guys want to go through this again. I, I do feel as if, technically speaking, it's a foul, right? So just because if it's, if it's a foul in the box, it's a penalty, fair enough, right? But the fact that Michael Oliver sends off Buffon, maybe people say he was pushed or whatever the case may be. But for me, it looked as if he got a red card just for saying words. Which, which, is, which is right. What's, which what's is wrong right. wrong about that? For me, there's no way that you should be able to get a red card for saying words to a referee in a moment like that. Yellow oh, card, no, 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 no. Don't use the moments as an excuse. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind that. I agree no, 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 no. The no. moment is not an excuse. There, there no. is no way that words warrant a red card in that situation. Yes, I don't, I don't do. care what he said. I don't care what he said. What, the, what, what do you mean? You don't care what it's all. The only way, the only way, like, the, 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 the only the way that like, a oh red gosh, card it's, can it's be given there is if Buffon was on a yellow. He then dissented to the referee. The referee gave him a second yellow, and then he gets a red card. There's no way words can mean straight red. You get straight reds for broken legs, for intentional handballs in the box, for taking someone down when they're going to score a goal, like changing the game that drastically because of Basically, words. No, 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 no. But Danny, he the, ended no, the game there, even if she no, saves. No, 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 guys. The way Buffon has been acting since that has happened shows me that he did deserve the red, red, red card. The things that he's been saying, how he's been tripling down on his actions and how what he's been saying about michael oliver shows me that yes bro you do you you did deserve the, the, the no the there's uh, you you guys will never be able to hope. convince me that i agree oh. with half hope remember this is a rare moment half hope is correct there's no way you're going to be able to convince me that words equal a red card i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry that you you just won't be able to do it because he okay, ends so, the, okay so okay he, so wait, okay okay danny so if it's okay so i'm a referee and if i'm a player and i see that your family is a piece of shit. You are you are nothing. You're you're a creature. You're a piece of crap. And I hope you die and your and your family burns in hell. Yellow card. <laughs> Daddy, you're not being you're not being serious, man. Come on. I'm man. being hundred percent serious. There is no then, way you can change the game I mean, in what, that way. What's kind of because again, what kind of um game are you sort of pro promoting? Because once a player does that, that means that I can literally say anything to a referee. And, and you it's get fine. booked. That you get you're, punished. You're, you're, the punishment why, is why, why is the ceiling only booking? Based, so, Dan, what you're basically saying is you can abuse the person in charge of football to the point. No. I'm, I'm saying you shouldn't do it. And a yellow card means don't do it again. But it doesn't mean, like, you end the game. Don't, don't, Dan, we've been, we've been through this a lot. But you are annoyed that Buffon got sent off. And that's fine. But basically, on, basically. No, 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 no. This, this, let me no, 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 that's not. Let that's not. This doesn't have anything to do with Gianluigi Buffon. This is, this is principle. 
This is no, you don't no, send no, someone off for words. Danny, you, yes, you do. Danny, be, be, be honest with yourself. It's not principle. It's about bubble form. The bubble form got sent off. We just did a podcast about Zidane, a man who got sent off in the World Cup final. He headbutted someone. That's correct. He that was physical violence. Of course, Zidane deserved to be sent off. If you haven't he listened to Coup de Tet, whoa, 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 pause. If you haven't listened to Coup de Tet, the story of Zidane Zidane in the World Cup, please do that now. It's uh, on the SoundCloud page. It's in your uh, iTunes feed. What I'm saying is, there's no way that words. I'm doing the clap thing. Let me stop. <laughs> there's no way that words deserve a red card. I'm sorry. Yes, no, 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 no. Any word on the pitch? What happens next? What happens to free speech? No, no, go away, go away. That is <laughs> Daniel, that is not what free speech means. You know it, and I know it, and I've been going on about this in the group chat all the time. Free speech just means the government cannot put you in prison for what you say. It does not mean you cannot be sent off. For I know. Saying I'm, I'm, I'm being, I was, I was being as a trash fan, as a trash bin for a heart. And look, the game didn't end there because Ronaldo still had to score the penalty. And for what it's worth, that was a fantastic penalty. Great, great, great penalty, Carl. Be honest with yourself. The moment Buffon is sent off and Chesney comes on and it's Real Madrid with 11 men and Juventus with 10. And let's let, let's say Ronaldo misses the penalty. He was never going to miss the penalty, but let's say he misses it or Chesney saves it, whichever way. You think that the 10 men of Juventus are going to be able to beat Real Madrid, 11 men in the Bernabeu with 30 minutes extra time? Yeah. Absolutely not. That, so Daniel, he ends Daniel, the game Daniel, with the red card. Daniel, stop, stop. Let's, let's, let's really go into this. Wojciech Chesney saves this penalty. Momentum shift. Real Madrid are like, oh my God. So Real Madrid have a chance to win the tie in the final kick of the game. They don't get a chance to win the game in the final kick of the game. Real Madrid's heads go down. Juventus' heads go up. Juventus go, we've got 10 men. We have to sit deep. Oh wait, we have to defend for half an hour? Cellini licks his lips. Game on. They just have to defend for half an hour and then they get the penalties. Or Real Madrid say we have an extra man, as Tony Cruz said to Real Madrid, if you believe the Spanish people who can read lips. If you miss, it doesn't matter because we, we, we got them. We got uh, them. Uh, we're, we're, we're discussing mere hypotheticals here, but I would like to say, one, it definitely was a foul. It was a penalty. And if Buffon was verbally abusing the referee, which he very clearly was, he deserves to be sent off. And also, I don't love Buffon in the same way a lot of you guys love Buffon. You know, F that guy. Basically, my thing with Buffon is, is look, I respect him because, look, he's been playing ever since I've been watching football, but... Is getting annoying now. Retire. Because what you're doing right now is that you're holding a national team hostage and you're holding a club hostage. You're not as good as you once were. And this whole thing of how, like, I was watching ESPN FC and, and, and that loser, like, what's it called? Um, Something my caught the Italian guy was saying that, oh, Michael, my, like, wow. my, like, my, no, no, basically, he was saying that Michael Oliver will never ref a top tier game ever again. I was like, mates, what's, what, what, I mean, what, what kind of crap is that? The only mistake that Michael Oliver made was that that Isco goal was on, on side. Apart from that, he got every decision right. Yeah, I don't care about Buffon. I don't. I have no love for. I have no love or passion for Buffon. Yeah, I'm just saying this. This this argument for me isn't necessarily about Buffon. It's just about the principle of the matter. Like I, I, but, no, no, I wholeheartedly no, believe there's nothing that anyone can say to you that warrants a red card. Then we're 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 barking at the wrong tree, and this happened last Wednesday. So let's keep moving. Fine. Okay. Let's 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 talk about uh, Liverpool City. Did anyone here think Liverpool was going to win, like on aggregate? No, nope. I didn't either. So I guess we're all we're all losers in this way. Uh, very impressive from Mohamed Salah. I mean, and Mane and the rest of them. Like I'm I'm super impressed with Liverpool. I don't think that they're they're going to win the Champions League, but I'm super impressed uh, with what Liverpool have been able to do in Europe. 
City, again, if that goal was allowed, would it have changed things? I don't know. The Sane goal in the first half. Mm-hmm. But Liverpool had a better game plan over two legs. And it just shows you that Klopp's tactic of being running a lot, being very direct, seems to really mess up with, with Pep's tactics because mm-hmm. even Klopp has the best record against Pep. Klopp is the, the perfect man to take on Pep. Um, at Zietz, at underscore Zietz on Twitter, right for SB Nation, says Klopp has the best system for taking on Pep Guardiola because whenever Klopp is given an ordered system in a football game, he turns the game into chaos, which is why Pep versus Klopp is so fun because Pep comes on with his five-a-side football and his incredibly rote methods of getting really, really cute passing triangles and fluid people playing within the lines. And Klopp goes, just run at him. Just run at him and hit the ball first time. Oxlade-Chamberlain and what Oxlade-Chamberlain did in those two ties about how he's going to get the ball and hit it first time quickly before anyone can get it settled. And if it goes in, fantastic. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I think this happened in both the first leg at Anfield and in the previous 4-3 victory. Oxlade-Chamberlain is an amazing player when he plays against a pep system because he's clearly just allowed to just run at him like a madman, which is fantastic. Do we think that the way Klopp plays is a blueprint for other teams that now play Manchester City or Pep in general? Or, or do we think that Klopp is maybe too unique in that way and it's going to be hard to replicate that for other teams? You, you need a preseason. You, you can't just do it automatically. You need to have you need to do it from preseason because you have to get your players. Shaped. I don't think so. I, I think you're the right person now. I think, I think a really good example of a team that really took it to Pep Guardiola and almost won the game was Crystal Palace under Roy at uh, Southwest Park when they came within a missed penalty of beating them and breaking the Premier League record beforehand. Because mm. Oxygen's whole thing was, all right, Arthur looks a bit shaky, Zaha, pressing. And they, their plan was, we're just going to chew you up and spit you out and Wilfred Zaha can beat the gap in between your left-back and your centre-back, which was Arthur and Delft at the time. Next season will be particularly interesting because Manchester City are going to get better next season. They're going to buy yeah. another. They're going to buy another DM to take the load off Fernandinho and, you know, Yaya Toure is going to go so and get someone to sit in between Fernandinho and Gundogan. Kevin De Bruyne is going to get better. You know, Benjamin Mendy's going to come back, which I think is going to be huge. Because Mendy's low crossing, that triple tap cross, he, he's really good at, which is a lot of goals that Gabriel Jesus likes to score. You know, Sané and Sterling are going to start the season playing together. When you bear in mind that they only really started playing together after about six weeks into the season. You know, six weeks and then November time, they used to alternate. Um, City are going to get better. However... I don't think they're going to have this historic Premier League points total that they'll have that they have this season now. Like they, they currently look on target to to get a hundred points. They've scored the most goals. They've conceded the least amount of goals. They are a historic Premier League side. I don't know if they'll be viewed as fondly as the other historic Premier League sides because of their Manchester City. They spent a lot of money. Pep Guardiola very clearly has a disdain for English media. But I think we should enjoy them. I think they've played some of the best football in the Premier League this season, and I think some of the goals they've scored have been some of the best goals I've ever seen in my life. All right, so let's quickly talk about the Champions League semifinals. Roma-Liverpool. Now, I don't know if I was the first person to tweet this, but I've been hearing a lot of people say this, so maybe it's not an original thought. Roma topped a group that had Chelsea and Atletico Madrid in it. Chelsea are fifth. Chelsea are fifth. So. <laughs> You've got no time for Chelsea this season. Yeah, I find it really interesting that anyone beating Chelsea doesn't count as an achievement in your Because world. they're fifth. Uh, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, Roma. I think a lot of people thought Chelsea, Atletico Madrid. Roma topped that group. Then they beat Shakhtar Donetsk. Now they beat in Barcelona. I don't think it's that crazy for people to assume that Roma beats Liverpool. Edin Dzeko is one of the best target men in Europe this season. Yep. He absolutely 
bullied Barcelona. Completely, utterly bullied Umtiti and PK. Can we um, call Jekyll underrated, Carl? Um, possibly. I don't like that word, but I, I know. I know. That's that's why I'm I, the best number nine in the world this season has been Lewandowski. Uh, and I think in between Lewandowski, Harry Kane, and Nicardi, you know, I think in in the top five of traditional orthodox number nines, you just score loads of goals and create and do whatever. You got to put Jekyll up there. You know, it, it says a lot that when Borussia Dortmund sold Lewandowski, their number one target was Edin Dzeko, and it didn't quite come together. Um, it says a lot that this January, when Chelsea were looking for target men, um, yes, you know, Andy Carroll and Peter Crouch were mentioned, and they eventually got Giroud, but the number Don't one... Don't forget Ashley Barnes. And Ashley Barnes, but <laughs> if I'm correct, the, num- wow. the number one target was... If I'm correct, the number one target was Edin Dzeko. And Dzeko said, said no, because he goes, yeah, it'd be nice to go to... He goes, Chelsea's a nice club and be good, but I, I like Roma. I have an affinity for Roma. And after my time playing in England, the last time I played in England, I definitely prefer playing for a club where I feel an affinity for them and I feel loved. Um, do, you, do, do you guys know that Dzeko's the only player to score 50 goals in the Bundesliga, the Premier League, and Serie A? Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, for Wolfsburg, City, and now Roma. So, no, 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 no. Look, he used to be a brick, but you know, he's, he's, he definitely used to be a brick. But I think, look, what he's doing now is, is, is amazing. Hope, sure. hope, uh, hope, entertain me. At what point was he a brick? Towards the end of his Man City career, he was okay. he was officially a, a brick. Good. I I will not mention. I will not question it. Fine. Next. Keep moving. Yeah, I think I think he's he's thirty three, thirty four, somewhere entering, in there. He's entering the twilight of his career, and you know, all power to him. He seems to be a really nice, genuine fellow. He's spoken very candidly about his Bosnian heritage and what that was like growing up, about how twice in his life, the country he thought he was from stopped existing and then became another country, Um, which is something that you just forget. Like, oh yeah, Yugoslavia was a thing within active football players' lives. Can we just have a quick moment to like say if Yugoslavia was still a thing? No, 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 I'm not. That's such a weird, nasty... (laughs) <laughs> football hits a thing and it, it like it raises so much I know I know I know I, I the, know the, like, what the nation of Yugoslavia was I know the political ramifications of what I'm mentioning okay I've done my history right but if it was still a thing they would be if you compile all the best players they would be like top five but anyway that's a conversation for another day um let's not get stuck here all right so Liverpool Roma your first thoughts who who goes through to the final it's too early to say, man. Come on, man. That's, that's why I said early thoughts. Who, who you um, got? I, I, I'm going to say Liverpool. I think, I think it's one of those weird things where on intangibles. So Real Madrid have the intangible of we've won this thing twelve times, and if any team's going to win it three years in a row, it's going to be us. Bayern Munich have the intangibles of we're Bayern Munich with the Colossus. We have Jupp coming back to try and get his third treble. We also have this incredible machine behind us, and we have the biggest squad depth. Liverpool have the intangible of we've won this thing f- five times the most out of any English club and we just got past Man City to do it and we have you know anyone coming to Anfield is in trouble uh, and Roma's intangibles are we beat Barcelona which means they have the weakest of the intangibles so therefore I would believe Liverpool would beat them you also forgot another one they've not considered a single G at the Stadio Olimpico for the whole of the Champions League ah fair enough I was shocked when when, when I when, when I got told that so that's I kind of lean Roma in a sense that the Anfield leg is very important. If if you say Di Francesco can get something or at least not lose badly at Anfield, I feel like going back to Rome 
for the second leg is very important. If if you look at maybe Real Madrid, they would rather play the first leg at home and the second yep. leg away just because yep. the Bernabeu is it's a shaky place. Like they whistle their own players, like they're very persnickety in that way. I feel like going to Rome has the you know how we like to call places fortresses? Mm-hmm. Rome, even though it has a, the the track around it, which is kind of weird, it still has a vibe of of a fortress in that way. I think obviously Liverpool, they can play anywhere. I think like counterattacking football, Salah's not going to be scared of going back there. I wouldn't think. There's just something about Roma at home in a second leg that makes me feel like they can turn. I don't want to say they can turn around a three a three goal deficit again, but if it's within two, I think they can get them. So that's that's my take. I'm I'm shading this to Roma. Actually, can I wait? Can I, can I ask the Roma question? What if Real Madrid actually do it? I think uh, I don't know. I haven't decided, but there's no way a team should win this thing three years in a row. A three-peat when nobody had even won it twice in a row since Milan in eighty-nine, ninety. You know, wait, wait, because this is my this is my my argument. Four out of five. No, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Nobody can give me its football. Like I, I want you guys to give me its a footballing argument as to how. Liverpool or Roma beats this Real Madrid team at full strength in a one-off winner-takes-all final. This is Real Madrid's final, this Bayern game. Because this is the game. Like if Real, My other thing was that if Real Madrid gets past Bayern, I don't know how Liverpool or Roma defeat them in a, in a final. I'm a particular fan of the Ringer podcast and the Ringer website and their sports coverage. And they basically say that in a coin toss, Real Madrid always get the coin toss right. We don't know how or why. But Real Madrid have managed to figure out luck as a concept in football and have made it work for them. And it, it, it defies metrics and it defies all good sorts of footballing sense and logic. So when Hope goes, give me a footballing argument as to why Liverpool and Roma can beat Real Madrid in a one-off game, I can't. Um, yeah, I, the, the logic is Mo Salah's in the form of his life. Liverpool's fluid front three should be able to get in and around Real Madrid's back four. Marcello's going to go too far forward, which will leave gaps that if one of Liverpool's middle three can put the through balls through, will allow Mane to absolutely destroy Real Madrid. That's the football argument. However, however, you just don't know Real Madrid because Sergio Ramos is going to flip the switch and become clutch. Or Keylor Navas is going to channel the spirit of David Gea and do something. Or Asensio is going to go, oh, please stop calling Christina. Carl, that the coin flip is you have a player who's going to score no matter what. That's why they win the coin flip because they have Cristiano Ronaldo. It's as simple as that. He's he's always going to score. Barcelona have Messi, who is arguably more influential on the running of a ninety-minute game. Messi doesn't always score. Goals are more important than running a game. This is it. If if the tournament, if the Champions League is a tournament of moments then you need the ultimate moments player. And the ultimate moments player is Cristiano Ronaldo. So that, that's your problem. Can we talk about that? Your Pinkus is in a retirement home, relaxing, eating vanilla wafers, whatever he's doing, sipping apple juice. And Look, he comes if, back. If there's no, 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 no. It'll be too disrespectful. Could you imagine if he wins a trouble? He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> what it's disrespectful. Either, 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 either way, either way, it's disrespectful to football. If Real Madrid win three in a row and four to five, that's disrespectful. If Heikis comes from watching reruns of Matlock, he retired one in trouble, then the Pep years, then Ancelotti, then like, look, we got to do something about club football. I know we've had the discussions before, but it just it, it, it something's rotten in Denmark in that sense. What? What's the problem? Jupiter really is one of the greatest managers of all time. What was he doing for the past three, four years? Retired. Playing 
he was retired and enjoying life and they brought him back. Have you never seen an old master return to their craft and get really good? It's fine. And very importantly, he only missed three to four years. Remember I told you about World Cup cycles? Football hasn't changed dramatically to the point that Joe Punk is... His style of football is outdated. And if you bear in mind how good that Bayern Munich team was. If Phil Jackson came back or if Pat Riley came back. Ah, see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. <laughs> Phil Jackson is incredibly wedded to the triangle, which doesn't work anymore. And Pat Riley's system, Pat Riley's old system doesn't work anymore. Jup Heinkes' system of... Still works. Still works because Jup Heinkes' system was phenomenal. This, this, like, this is also part, like, it was so good that we're still mad at what Pep did to Bayern because we wanted to see that version of Bayern. Like I, if you ask me of these four teams, I think Jups Bayern is the most likely one to win the Champions League. Ooh. I think they're going to win. I think it's Bayern's year. I think I might have picked Bayern at the beginning. I mean, not, not to, to be honest, if, like, we if you were to ask me... We need to go back and listen to our season preview podcast. If we no, 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 no. But so like, if, if you were to ask me and just say, yo, Double H, which team do you want to win this personally? It's got to be Bayern. I think that would be the most amazing story if they were able to, to do this. And for your Pankers as well, but Chris, man, Christina and Real, man. You gotta stop calling Christina. You gotta stop saying. No, 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 no. I'm addicted to saying. I don't. I don't know how to stop. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I don't know I'll how try. to stop. <laughs> no, no, so, so, I'm trying. Like I've, I think I'm, I'm saying Chris a lot more now than I'm saying Christina. So that's I'm, okay. That's okay. Okay, um, but he's never been called Ronaldo. That, that's that's for damn sure. That's fine. That's fine. That's 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 your problem. You can't bring yourself to just say Ronaldo in no. conversation. Let's call him Cristiano. We'll call him CR7. If you can call Philip Lambert Simpson, you can come up with a good name for Cristiano Ronaldo that doesn't play into what is homophobic tendencies. Let's let's kind of look around the leagues. United lost. <laughs> let's start there. How about that? Shout out Darren Moore, by the way. Got his little one nil victory. Keep it black. Keep it black. Keep it black. Keep it black. I did, do. Do you guys think there's any credence to what Mourinho said? Like. The, the players and the kind of Manchester United community got high off beating City and making sure they didn't win the league. So then their next game, they kind of just had a big letdown. Um, in the recommended reads this week will be an article by Miguel Delaney, who has very good connections with source, with people close to Manchester United Football Club. And the current belief is that Mourinho is especially unhappy with the West Bromwich album defeat and especially distrustful of personnel within Manchester United squad. And unless your name is David De Gea, Ashley Young, Eric Bailly, Ashley Young, Nemanja Matic, Alexis Sanchez, and Romelu Lukaku, you can be sold. Oh, Jesse Lingard as well. The world is there, there is six players that he believes are his boys and will run and ride or die and do everything he says. And the rest, he cannot trust. And if he cannot trust them, then... They can be surplus to requirements. I do. I do think the United players were definitely off the pace mm. off after last week after the City victory. But I also think they set they set up particularly weird. They played the four three three with Linda. You know, when I saw the team sheet and I saw Linda Love and Chris Smalling at centre back, I went, "Oh, that's that's concerning," uh, because I, I still think United are, are very short at centre back. Actually, Young and Antonio Valencia, while very willing and able servants, are limited. So they're not really going to overlap the players playing wide and then get the crosses in. I think Antonio Valencia's crossing ability has particularly taken a hit. Our playing in a 4-3-3 against West Bromwich Album was interesting because obviously we talk loads about you should play a 4-3-3 with Pogba on the left to allow him to get forward. But also, while you're also allowing him to get forward, you need runners that can latch onto the through balls that Pogba is going to thread. And I think 
the front three of Lukaku, Mata, and Alexis Sanchez, regardless of the formation or not, should be enough to beat a West Brom album that is in this terrible run of form and has won 12 points in the last 12 can, matches or something ridiculous like that. Can I ask you this this, this question quickly? Because it kind of goes to that point. This is from Odds First A1. What's a bigger L, losing to City away or losing to the team rock bottom, West Bromwich Albion, without an away win since August? Oh, I think I, I, I think that kind of goes to your point. They haven't won since basically away since the beginning of the year. I think uh, it just looked like every single play was 5% off the pace and it only really improved when Jesse Lingard came on and Martial came on and you had runners to, to get onto those balls. And it was very disappointing that to get Martial onto the pitch, Paul Popper came off because if you put them on at the same time, something might have happened. Do you know what? Someone asked, actually asked the question to that point. His name is Jared Garoto. Garoto? Mm -hmm. Sorry uh, if I'm mispronouncing your name, Jared. Uh, why doesn't Mourinho yell at Alexis and tell him to stay wide? Why wasn't Mata just played as a number 10? Why didn't Rashford or Martial come on earlier as they needed to stretch the pitch with width to give Pogba room to make those runs? So I think that question kind of goes to your point in a way. Wait, wait. Actually, Carl, can I ask you... Let me ask you even one thing as a United dude. What is... Mourinho's beef with Mata because I say this based on Wesley Snyder 2010. Mm -hmm. Mata could easily do that job and Mata is a very good through ball artist and knows how to play in the hole. So I've never figured out, wait a minute, why doesn't he have more faith in Mata who can easily do the job that he needs, i.e. the playmaker who plays in the hole? Uh, he's not dynamic enough, is the simple answer. It's the same reason he sold him at Chelsea. Yeah, he's not. it's the same reason why it didn't quite work with Juan Mata behind... Wayne Rooney or Van Persie in other post-Fergie seasons. Juan Mata is a good player. Juan Mata is not a good enough player for you to build your entire team around if you want to win the Premier League. Uh, but, you know, all credit to West Bromwich Albion. I think United assumed they were going to win based on whatever. And then West Brom runner and wanted it more. And, and credit to Darren Moore for getting the West Brom players G'd up mm. and wanted to play a game when they are, for all intents and purposes, relegated. I think there was a really good point from... Darren Fletcher basically said, we now understand what we're meant to be doing before we go and play a game. Which Ooh, shots at Pardew, isn't it? Speaks volumes to Pardew. <laughs> I was watching the game in a pub with Tom Victor and we were talking about what happened to West Brom and Jalvin. I simply went, what happened to West Brom? West Brom? And he said, Pardew. He goes, if you look at the league table, West Brom were 18th, 17th, and had Tony Pulis in charge. And now look, they've sunk without a choice because Pardew got eight points for his entire time in charge of West Brom and Jalvin. If any, if any Premier League <laughs> even considers hiring Pardew next season, they should be sacked automatically because he's not. Kim, Lambert, Mark Hughes, I think this is the real changing on the guard for that band of pragmatic British managers because it's very clear that they can't get their jobs done. Mark Hughes is going to get two teams relegated this season. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep. That is That's deep. He's, he took Stoke down and now he's going to take Southampton down. Um, anyway, credit to him, I guess. Like that's that's a feat in its own way. Like uh packed mouse as how can Mourinho still be the GOAT when he's losing to a team who'd only won three games all season and getting tactically outdone by Darren Moore? And if it's just one game, surely last week was also one game as well. I mean, first things first, he lost to the you know, Sir Darren Moore. But yeah, it, it says it says a lot about Mourinho and what Mourinho is currently doing to that to, to Man United and how there's a there seems to be a culture of fear. There. It rem that game reminded me a lot of late stage Van Hal. But we were just whipping in crosses. The, so there's something that particularly frustrates me about Man United is yes, we have the six foot two, six foot three Lukaku. Yes, we have the six foot three 
Paul Pogba. Yes, we have big players in Pogba, Matic, Lukaku, big, tall players. But crossing is in a, isn't the most effective way to score. If like considering in terms of chance creation, a cross is not the most effective way to get a goal, uh, especially those high and mighty ones that we like whipping all the time. Uh, and you know, if you're West Bromwich Albion and you've got your two, if you're Gareth McCauley and you've got Johnny Evans or whoever's playing centre back for you, Hagazi, kind of, was it? Hagazi, yeah. If you've got if you've got two old school centre backs and they all they want to do is whipping crosses all day, you're happy. You're like, yeah, great. I can head crosses away forever. Is when players start running at me and start dribbling at me and start doing one twos. That's when I have problems. Which oh, begs sorry. the question: Why isn't Rashid Stein? Why is it Martial sign? I was just about to ask you that because Martial, it it came out that Martial doesn't want to sign a contract. Arsenal has been rumored. Oh my goodness, not Arsenal. (laughs) Arsenal, It came from like a French magazine, so I don't know how true it could be, but... Yo, if you could get Aubameyang, Lacazette and Martial on the same team. You know what, Martial, I remember when we first started this podcast, we were like, if Arsenal could get their hands on Daniel Sturridge, that would be really, really good for their team. If you can get your hands on Martial, if you're like Wenger, whoever else is there, that's a good, that's a really, really good Mustafa, signing. But it, it's, it's frustrating that, how, how old is Martial, Carl? 22, 23 still? 22, 23, yeah. Uh, he's, how he's, is this not working? He's he's the most naturally gifted player in Manchester United squad. Yeah. Well, Pogba has an argument there. I think I think Mourinho doesn't fancy him. I think it, it's twofold. Mourinho doesn't fancy him because he, he's not his player. He's a Van Gaal's that signing. And I think, I mean, it, just looking at Martial's body language, you know, the guy doesn't like to smile, which is why I love him. <laughs> but I imagine that can be particularly, if you're a dictator-style manager, which we know Mourinho is, and there's this young 20-year-old something who can do pretty much anything, he's like, why well, am I doing this? Shut up. <laughs> I reckon that will drive you insane. It's a real shame. I think Martial's going, I think Lushaw's going this summer. I think those two are the exact sort of player who would have helped United win games like this. But I think we've talked to way too much on that. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was about to. I was about. Well, well, the reason we're talking about this game really is to get onto this point. That loss sealed the title for Manchester City. Have hope. I'm, I'm seeing people saying this is the greatest Premier League winning side of all time. Da 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 da. Um, obviously, we need to see like till the end of the season how many goals they get, how many points they get, how many wins they have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But where do you think they rank in terms of winning the Premier League, in terms of Premier League winners? Basic question. I'm, I don't know whether you guys know this offhand. So basically, if City win all of their games from now to the end, I think they go on to 108 points, I think. They have 87 points. 87 plus 15 is 102. 103, I think. 102. Which is a points record, yeah. So there is a tweet currently going around that is making a point that even if Manchester City sent this records point total, if you work it out based on their first 11 and how much they spend on wages on their first 11, that it works out they're roughly spending six million per point earned. To that, I'm like, fine, yeah, money talks. And, you know, money is always talk. I think the argument is, does the money Pep Guardiola has spent put an asterisk over this yes, record-breaking yes. title win? Yes. Slightly, yes. slightly, but yes, not yes, really. Yes. And I but think, I think, I think this is less a question of Yes and no. And I think this is more a question of how you view football and what you get out of football. Yeah. Um, I'm in both you say yes, and uh, the floor will be yours for both of your reasons. But to my one, my one is no, because yeah, he spent loads of money, but he also got rid of eight players last season. You know, if you saw, it took a while for this to click. He had to get, you know, he came to England, he was trying to do that inverted fullback thing. 
realise Gail Clichy and Bakary Sang aren't those players and he's sold them off and he's got in more players and I think what he's done to Fabian Delph is a testament to how good Pep Guardiola is. The transformation in Raheem Sterling into this 20 goal a season. I don't want to say phenom, but Fox in the Box is fantastic. I think Leroy Sané is going to end up being one of the better young players in the world. And I think Kevin De Bruyne is one of my favourite footballers to watch. This is a historically good Premier League side. And yeah, they spent money to get there, but many of the historically good Premier League sides, and I use the word Premier League because I'm talking post-1992 because football was invented in 1992, have been very, very expensive Premier League sides. Paul, our good friend Paul, United Rank Class, has said many of the times that you know Alex Ferguson won the Premier League, his side was the most expensive side and the best side in the Premier League. Um, and just because you spent money doesn't mean, doesn't lessen your achievement. You can enjoy what Pep's done with Manchester City and also enjoy what Sean Dyke is doing with Burnley. And I think this is the great thing about football. You can enjoy, like football allows far more variance in how it's played and, and how it's enjoyed than many other sports. I don't want you to use Pep to beat down Burnley. And I especially don't want Pep defenders to, to turn around to teams that play long ball and go, oh, but you just play long ball. It's all, it's all free and open. I use the example of Ferguson. Like, what Pep has done is amazing. And again, a win is a win. And you still have to put a team out and still get them playing hard, hard, hard they wouldn't play. But I look at the example of Ferguson because I, I did like a little piece, a video piece about the treble winning side. And I'm 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 sorry. Um, in my view, David Beckham has never been a world class player. Nicky Bottin not a world class player. The Neville's were not world class players. Gary was for a little bit. No, he no no no. Basically, I'm just saying. In my view, they they weren't. So Skulls, Giggs, York, Cole, okay, Raikin, maybe. So the very fact is that I just feel like Ferguson made players from nothing to making them. Um, Ilkay Gunogan for me is, is one of the best mid- midfielders in, in the world. For me, I think he's top five in his, his position. Sterling was a very talented player at Liverpool. Sane, we all knew what this guy was doing at Schalke. Jesus, again, really you know, this, this is Brazil's next big you know, number nine. So for Guardiola, you and also remember you are Pep Guardiola. Players are literally tripping over themselves to come and play with you. It's like Yes, I give you credit because it is still amazing football. It's still a historic season. You have completely disrespected the Premier League. You've you've, you've pimped guys, but you've you've spent. I mean, what you 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 spent about like three three billion. I, I mean, Pep has spent four fifty. So four hundred fifty. Mourinho spent three hundred. I don't know. I don't know. Mourinho spent three hundred. Debatable. That's that's yeah. debatable. Mourinho spent two two. Let's say Mourinho spent two hundred and fifty plus, and eighty nine of that is the football for money. Can't be proven. And previously, so Mourinho, so yes, Manchester City spent a lot of money. Manchester United have also spent a lot of money, and I wouldn't think the amount of money spent would preclude a sixteen-point gap. Bear in mind, I support Chelsea, so who am yeah. I to talk right? But let's, let's bear in mind. Like, <laughs> let's let's look at the players these these guys went out and bought. You know, yes, yes, both of these squads need surgery, but when Guardiola was out there fixing his fullbacks, realizing he had a problem there, Mourinho was buying another centre back and Paul Pogba. You know. Fair enough. I mean, but like he's playing Delph. Delph. That's why you kind of have to give Pep credit, though. Like yeah. even like even though he spent all the money on fullbacks, he still took Fabian Delph. It was like, you know what? I can do something with Fabian Delph. It Fabian. made him decent. Like somebody even asked us a question. Like, let me pull this thing up. It's a ridiculous question, or maybe not. Maybe you'll agree to it. Picture City asked Fabian Delph deserves to start for England. 
discuss. Like, I hate to discuss those iconic questions. But, like, do we think Delph has done so well that he could start at left back? Like, I I don't know if he can get above Rose or above Bertrand, say. But he's played that well to where he's in the discussion. So I think Pep needs credit in that sense. Like, even though he spends money, he does develop players. Like Sterling's development, I think has been ridiculous. He scored 17 goals this season, maybe. Yeah, his his best of us of a season. Like yeah. that's crazy, and I think that's down to Pep Guardiola's coaching. Every player, every player in Manchester City has got better because of Pep Guardiola, and we we know how they've got better. So and, it's and, it's it's both that, and 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 that's why I said kinda like it's kind of like I, I'm forgetting your original question a little bit, but but you were like, does it kind of tarnish it? And you were like no, and half was like yes, and I'm like in the in I'm more in the middle in that way, cause yeah, yeah, like spending all that money for whether it's United, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, it's kind of crazy, but it it does your coach coach players, and if I can see a development in some of the players, then I have to give you credit in that way. Mm-hmm. So, let's, so let's let's look at previous title winners. So City, uh, Chelsea's title win is remarkable in how. They flipped a switch after changing for three to three four three. Mm-hmm. That's the remarkable thing about it. Was Conte got hockeyed by Arsenal? He looked at his team and went, "This isn't working. I'm going to try this." And then they went off and won thirteen games in a row. You know, yeah. like that was that was amazing. That was a manager going, "This isn't currently working. Let me change how my team plays mid-season. Not really make any massive adjustments in." in uh, transfers and whatnot and it's just what worked dramatically that was amazing then the season before like Leicester did it and that's amazing because it's Leicester City and it was 5,000 to 1 and the season before that it was Chelsea it was Mourinho's last season the remarkable thing about that was just basically how good Fabregas was that season at the start of that season just yep there you are assist after assist after assist after assist but that was a fairly I don't want to say rudimentary I think that was the last real unsurprising title win um, and I think what we've got since Mourinho's last title win is a series of title wins that have been particularly impressive in what a manager is being able to get out of their players and their personnel. Mm. And so, you know, the Leicester City one is just amazing for playing 4-4-2 with these players who we all thought were terrible and then they've just shot the league. And then the Chelsea one is amazing because just simply changing formation has unleashed Victor Moses and turned Chelsea into an amazing side again. And then this one is amazing because just how fluid and how many adjustments in game Manchester City can do and how many ways they can hurt you is dramatic. You know, look at Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker was already one of the better right backs in the Premier League. He's even better now. And he's vindicated. He went, I'm going to leave Spurs because I'm on 50 grand a week and I can triple my money going somewhere else playing Champions League football and, and like compete for a title. And he's done it. Mm. But that's that. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go as well. So... Actually, I have I have a question. It kind of relates to other leagues. PSG won the league within the past week, kind of going back to our theme at the beginning. Bayern Munich won the league within the past 10 days, say. Um, I feel like it's comfortable that uh, Juventus are going to win, that Barcelona confirmed they could go invincible. Uh, PSV won the Eredivisie for what it's worth. Shout out Marco Van Ginkel. How Marco Van Ginkel is captain of PSV while on loan from Chelsea it baffles me. It's kind of one of my favorite things in football at the moment that Aloni is captain. But shout out to him for lifting the Eredivisie trophy. So I think that's a cool story. Um, do we think City are going to keep winning the league? Like, I don't... Who, who, yes, th- they will keep winning the league until Pep leaves. The, 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 the last team to repeat the Premier League, was it 
10 years ago, Manchester United in that three-peat. And then it's been Chelsea in 2010, 2011 was United, I think, 2012. Who won the league in 2012, guys? Wasn't it you? We won Champions League 2012. Oh, no, it was City. It must have been. Yeah, City were the last kick of the game. Yeah, it's okay. The one, it's and the then, and then, it's and then the one 13, I've wiped from my brain. <laughs> okay, and then 13's United. That's Fergie's last. Then we get City, then Chelsea, then Leicester, then Chelsea, and now City won it. So nobody's won the league since you guys three-peated. It's very hard to win the Premier League back-to-back. So, so I have hope you say as long as Pep's there, Man City have the league on lock. Is, mm. is there? You don't see any team that could challenge them next season? The only team that can challenge them is Liverpool, but Klopp doesn't care about the defence. So as long as Pep keeps getting the money from his friends up top, I don't see any team beating them. No, no, sorry, sorry. I don't see any team outlasting them over 38 games. But the, the, the key thing is that if he's giving the money to keep on strengthening the squad. Now, I think Klopp, Klopp's defence, you know, give him credit. Yeah, he spent 75 million on Virgil van Dijk. They aren't conceding stupid goals anymore. They're conceding goals. They're not conceding the ridiculous goals you think they would. Um, and I think, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool wouldn't get better because Naby Kate is coming around. Trent Alexander-Arnold's going to get older. Uh, Andrew Robertson's going to get a year older and they're going to kick on a bit further. And it pains me to say this. Liverpool are probably going to be the closest side to see next season. But also, you never know. You never know. You, All this, right. This so... might be a season where it all clicks for United in the, in the off-season. Something that's also particularly interesting is this is the first time since Mourinho's season that the winner of the Premier League has also been in Europe. Um, as an addition to that, you know, the last Manchester City victory, they were chased all the way by a Liverpool side that weren't in Europe as well. So this is one of the first times in a while that this is a team who have to play Wednesday, Saturday, that have also managed to turn around Champions League victory. Uh, this is from Tour de Force. Now that Sterling has surpassed Hazard's ancestry, what is next for the future Ballon d'Or winner? Do we think Sterling is going to have a good World Cup? Possibly. I think, Hard I to think say. England can re- should realistically aim for the quarterfinals. They've got all the personnel. Bashwai being injured on Saturday, Sunday. Hey, 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 easy, easy. Bashwai is... Not Bashwai. confirmed, okay? I, I, I didn't want to bring this up on the podcast because I might get triggered and just go on a rant. But Bashwai seems to be okay for the World Cup, we think. Okay, if Bashwai is out for the World Cup for Belgium, that strengthens England's case in the group stages. But I think Eng- England can look at does it. Because yeah. that that might even force them to go with like Mertens as a nine, which or I keep telling they should. But anyway, but the L- L- Lukaku exists. But anyway, um, yeah, I think England, England should be basically be tar- targeting the quarterfinals because the great thing about England's football team right now is not Gareth Southgate is the manager, but is that these players have been coached by Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, and uh, Pochettino. Mm. And I think those are two, those are three of the best managers in Europe, in in European football at the moment. And I think those players, providing they get enough rest and providing they turn up healthy and not knackered, should be able to get into the quarterfinals. Okay. uh, Have hope. Someone asked, when will you drop your England 442 agenda from Ohio V1? England don't have the personnel slash style of players to even think about competing with the flat four man midfield. It's in, it's in England's DNA that the only way they can concede is with a 4-4-2. I don't think they have the mentality or the characteristic to start doing the 4-2-3-1, 4-3-1 so kind of thing. I just, like, so that's what maybe it's true, but my advice for England is stick to 4-4-2, find good quality wide wingers, get your two strikers, and that's how you can roll. You, you can't play like other continental teams. So 
Um, this is from SMUPAMB. If there was a group of four great Premier League sides that included Chelsea 0506, Arsenal's Invincibles, Manchester United 2008, and this Man City team that all had to play each other twice, home and away, order the group from one through four. P.S. Love the podcast. Can't get enough. It's like my crack cocaine. Okay. They've... Let's let's just let's just let's just recap. Um, you have Mourinho's Chelsea to start, like the first one. You have the Invincibles. You have Manchester United 2008, and this City team. Who wins? Chelsea's team. M- Mourinho's Chelsea's team. Like there was there was these are two legged ties. Please bear in mind these are two legged ties. So this is a two legged tie tournament. So you're also we're taking we're, the question is interesting because you're taking. The these great historical Premier League sides, so sides that were fantastic over 38 games, and going who would be the best over a Champions League tie, basically. So I think it's United, be, actually. If I want to take the Mick a lot, I want to be like it's going to be the team that won the Champions League, which means United's top. Um, <laughs> I actually think it would be United, considering you have Ferguson. And yeah. that and and that 2008 squad was really 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 good. I mean, obviously, you get Pete Rooney, you get Pete Rooney, and you get Pete Tevez, and you get Ronaldo. Yep. But yeah, you're making me think about the Moscow final now, guys. Ugh. Um, but, I would say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be really mean and say the Invincibles come bottom of this group. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna put no, it. No, gonna, no, 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 no. That's disrespectful. I think I think this city team comes last. I'm gonna let me do my one. The Invincibles okay. at the bottom. Then it's the Chelsea team. Then it's the City team. Then top is the United. Absolutely not. Okay, I'm where, going. Where did, the, where did the 95 point Chelsea team end up in Europe? Semi-finals, and we lost to the goal to the ghost goal in Liverpool. Very good point. I'd probably swap Chelsea and City then. So we should Chelsea. have won the Champions League that year. So Chelsea, I mean, I know Milan had a really great team, but. Chelsea second, then City third, and Invincibles last. But also, you know, I'm a United fan, so I'm not going to put. Do you know what? Because he put 06, and that gives me Essien. I'm <laughs> I'm going to go Chelsea top, United second, Invincibles third, and then this City team fourth, which could be very disrespectful because we don't know exactly the stats that this City team has quite yet. So they could break all the records. But half hope, what's, what's yours? Bottom would be... Um... City team bottom, Invincibles, the United team, and Liverpool or Mourinho. That's Champions League that they stole. That's Mourinho's proper property. So, <laughs> Gowan asks, "What is the biggest transfer need for each of the top six? Carl suggests that City need a defensive midfielder. United need a fullback who can whip and crosses. Liverpool need a defensive midfield regulator to complement Naby Keita." Spurs need cover at at central midfield for Dembele and Dyer. I would suggest that they need a center back, given that Alderweireld is probably out of there. Chelsea need another wide need player. Keeper I, Loris is, is 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 crap. That Sorry. too. Yeah, Loris is really. It's beginning to set in. The pair check box is beginning to set in. <laughs> Chelsea need another wide player. I can agree to that. And Carl says Arsenal need a new manager. I I agree with all of those. <laughs> <laughs> Man. All right. Wow. Uh, what signs do the three of you believe that each of your respective teams need for next season? Oh. I think we. I, I, I actually. I, I think we kind of answered that. So there you go, Ohio. You got that one. Just kind of rewind the podcast back a bit. Um, <laughs> Claude McAlealy, love for you fellas to consider a show dedicated to a man who had a position named after him. How essential he was to the game, and perhaps who sent him 
has done the best in that role. Claude McAlealy, shout out there. From RBGFC, how on earth is Have Hope allowed to mention Snoop D.O. Double and G in the same breath as Lauren Hill is beyond me? Brick him, brick him fast. It's his academy. He can only be, he, last time he was on the review. Hope, when did you put yourself on the review in Brick Academy? Um, I think I I think I was sure it team was gonna win. Oh no, I think I think it was was it the PSG or something. It was I think it was the PSG Barcelona thing or something. And I put myself I put myself under review. And what it was for like a result that I was very sure of, and then I got yeah, it was it was embarrassing. Half Hope has been under review. I think if you go back, I think Daniel, maybe we should go back to the start and get our predictions from the start of the season, our Premier League predictions, and play them next week. And listen to who needs to be under review for Brick Academy. <laughs> because Brick Academy. Cause, cause, you know, I'm not going Siberia. I'm sorry. I got, um, I got, I got Burnley way wrong. <laughs> I no. I did, didn't. Didn't in your hype beast piece you said like Salah was going to be really really great. Yep, I said. You, you deserve credit for that. De Bruyne. I said Salah's going to be signing the season. I also said Burnley's going to get relegated. So damn. <laughs> that did not happen. I said, not happen. I said I said United was going to win the league. I said Chelsea was going to make top four. It's all bad. It's just all bad. I um, think you know what? I think I went. Either went with. I think I might have went to. I think either went to City or, or United. Both both of you went City, if I remember correctly. I went City. Yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Hardy asks: Lots of sports have rules that shape play. Basketball has the shot clock. Netball sets zones that positions cannot leave. Rugby has offside and bonus point for tries. Football only really has offside. What rule would you use to change the game? Maybe none, force none. it to be more open. No, I wouldn't change none. anything. Leave it, please. Football has offsides and it has the away goal rule, which I'm I'm a big fan of. We had a big debate about golden goal, but yeah, I think golden goal. The problem with golden goal was it was meant to encourage attacking play, and then what you got was just teams not. Attacking because they were scared of being caught in a counterattack. That's what I said. And also, crucially, Golden Goal saw that incredible run from South Korea in the 2002 World Cup. And did anybody really want South Korea that far in the World Cup? No. Okay. Well, depending on who you talk to, FIFA did. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> let, me, let me say a couple of allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. So, my suggestion for changing extra time is you have your penalties before extra time starts. So, you have your 90 minutes. And you have your penalty shootout. And that way, both teams know who wins at the end of the 30 minutes. So that way, the losing team is like, oh my God, we lost the penalty shootout. Now we have to kick on. So rather than having 30 minutes where you're just playing out for the rest, where you're basically playing. So the problem with a lot of extra time now is you just get two teams who aren't really going to play. They're like, it's much easier to just sit back, not get hit on the counterattack, and wait for the penalty shootout. So to fix extra time, you have to come up with a way to fo- encourage one of these teams to go out and attack. And the best way to do that is to have your penalty shootouts at the start of extra time. So that's my suggestion. Like, <laughs> just, just just move where you have penalties. And I think that's a really good way to do it. The weird thing about extra time, though, is it feels like once you get to maybe 70, 80 minutes, it's like, okay, let's just go to extra time. So it's almost like 40 minutes off. Because like once you get into like the area where the game's almost done, it feels like most teams just, all right, let's just go to extra time. Let's not do anything crazy to lose the game. I'd also make some wider changes to cup competitions. So I think either the League Cup or the FA Cup could completely change their format. So one The League Cup should not exist. Either merge them or make one of them dramatically different to the other. So let's make 
Or like only youth players or something like yeah, that. Yeah, let's make the League Cup only for under 24-year-olds. Or that's, that's actually a pretty good idea, actually. I, re- I heard a suggestion which is basically similar to a draft, not, not like a draft, but like a bracket for the FA Cup. And basically you have at the start of the of the third round, you have all your teams and you have a home, you have a home, uh, all the teams are put in a big pot and that's for the home designation. And then you pull your team out of the pot and you say, this is oh, number three, that is Norwich City. And then Norwich City are then allowed to choose who they want to play at home in that round in the FA Cup. Of any of any team, any team that's still there. So Norwich City can go. Let's go out and play Ipswich, which is a rival and are in the championship. And we have a good chance of beating. Or they can go. Let's play Man United right now. Which, if you're a smaller club, yeah, they get you money. You want to put, take that diamond tie right now and try and get that money, especially if it's a home tie and away tie. That's so actually that, dope. I like that. I think that that will obviously never happen in a million years. <laughs> but I think that could be a fun way to do it. Have have hope. You got anything you want to change about football? Bring back the golden goal. Yeah, bring back the golden goal. All right. Last question. Not football related, but basketball. Thoughts on the NBA playoffs? I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching if as much as I can. To a guy called Lance, <laughs> they should be put into the. There should be a special place where they be put into the brick academy. So Bo- also, Bo- at the end of the day, look. And also, um, James Harden is is, is going to choke. I've said Boris, that. Choke. Boris Mason says, "Do the Pacers have a genuine chance of knocking out Cleveland?" And can the Raptors and Celtics get to the finals, especially with Boston losing Kyrie? The Celtics getting past the first round is an achievement. I think they've got way too many injuries. And yeah, 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 um, I mean, what's Kyrie and Gordon Hayward now? It's finished. You don't respect Lance Stevenson, have hope? He's called Lance. I'm sorry. What's <laughs> <laughs> have to do with anything? Um, I'm watching as much as I can right now on BT Sport, which is the, the channel that carries many of the basketball games in the UK, but it's not enough. So I can't watch all of the playoff games. There's uh, heroes and villains. We don't have to do that if you don't want to. My villain is whoever injured Mitchie. There you go. Uh, my hero is going to be... Who's a good hero for this week? I guess Jay Rodriguez. Whoa! Whoa! I mean, I, mean, I know he's racist, but <laughs> he did score the league deciding goal. So... Yeesh. Just give it to him. Give it to him. Like your... See, 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 that's your Caucasian side seeping out, man. So. <laughs> okay, fine. Hero, <laughs> we give it to Darren Moore, all right? Yeah. Thank you, better. Now your black side <laughs> has now won. Yo, you guys got so anti, Jesus Christ. I didn't even think about, like, the racist thing. And then you guys were like, oh, I was like, what did Jay Rodriguez do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why Jamie Vardy and John Terry will never feature on uh, Hero and Villain of the Week. Um, hero of the week has to be Manolas. Ooh, okay. Stroke, stroke, DT Francesco for what they did for, for Roma. And um, villain of the week is um, Mourinho. Ooh, okay. Why? You you gave your boy villain? Oh, I guess because he lost, huh? No, no, look yet. So look, it's it's complex. We we have a love-hate relationship, so there you go. Recommended reads, Carl? Uh, we have a few. One of them is from Jonathan Wilkes. Wilson, uh, which is basically in the aftermath of the Barcelona-Roma game and how football has steadily started scoring more goals. Um, so I think the average of goals scored has gone up from something like 1.7 in the 90s to 2.2. So that's goals per game. And just how defending has changed and how this is brought... You know, this is in part due to players getting fitter and stronger and also more players being coached on how to score better instead of just pumping in crosses. So that's one... Wall Street Journal is basically on how 
Morocco is going from strength to strength in their World Cup bid. Um, let it be known that I am a firm proponent of Morocco getting the World Cup in 2026. I think World Cups in one nation are just better than World Cups across two and possibly three. Um, so I think, yeah, I, th- I would love a Moroccan World Cup. And I think, what, in 2026? I'll be 36. Yeah, in 2026, I might have a child. <laughs> so it's one of those things where I've had some I've had some conversations with my friends about how. Um, so I, I deliberately made a point of going to Euro 2016 in France because I said, I can't go to Russia. I can't go to Qatar. Um, the Euro 2020 is going to be all over Europe. So that would be quite hard to go to. And then by 2026, I'll probably have a child, which means I can't really take two weeks off to go follow football. But if it does, I quite like to go to Morocco. So please, please do it in Morocco rather than the United States. And then there's two stories from Miguel Delaney at the Independent. Uh, one is basically on United's stodgy attack and why Mourinho is in this very interesting headspace regarding his squad. And the other one is basically on Manchester City and, and the inside story of how they did it and basically how not only did Pep win the league, but he did it on his terms. And I think that that's, should be commended. He hasn't. Yeah, yes, he spent a lot of money, but he played it. He played Pep Guardiola football. He didn't all of a sudden change and start playing 5-3-2-1. Or he didn't, you know, Claudio Bravo didn't work out. So he could have brought Joe Hart back, but he went, no, I'm going to go out and get another goalkeeper that can pass up from the back. I think when this is all said and done and Pep Guardiola leaves England, he would have been a net positive for English football because he's got pundits, footballers, football writers to look at football and think about football in a different way. In the last two years that Pep Guardiola has been in England, my understanding of football has increased. And I think a lot of people listen to this podcast, their understanding of football has increased. We've gone from describing players from just a central midfielder or an attacking DM or a box-to-box into understanding what Kevin De Bruyne does in this weird free eight role, you know? Is that um, a byproduct of Pep or just us being older and wiser? I think it's, I think it's both, you know? Or like, what I would always say is, what was the very first football tactic you noticed? So for me, my first, the first one I ever properly started paying attention to was when Roberto Mancini would bring on Nigel de Jong for Manchester City as a DM, which meant Yaya Torre would be pushed further up the pitch. And that was the very first, oh, I can see what the manager is doing to the team and how it's changed the shape and how it's going to affect the team in a positive manner. And that obviously, you know, that helped because Yaya Torre was massive and you could very much see like very palpably what that change did. And that was the very first tactic I could properly understand and, and look at. And then I, you know, then I started to understand that if you want to beat Barcelona, you have to man-mark Busquets. Or if you want to beat Real Madrid back in the day, you have to get someone to man-mark Xavi Alonso because Xavi Alonso is the guy who's spraying all the passes from deep. And I've gone from that to now understanding the really, really tiny changes Kevin De Bruyne does in the middle of a game. Um, so I, I suppose my hero is Pep Guardiola for basically making us all smarter when we think about football in like, in like a very particular way. All right. Uh, you got you guys got anything coming up? Articles that you've written, vids coming out. I I may be in the um in the audience for this um, real football fan show that's oh, lovely on Channel Four Friday twelve a.m. So that's 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 going to be the first episode on Channel Four. It's hosted by Robbie of Arsenal Fan TV, and yeah, man, it's just, I think it's four episodes, and if it does good numbers, then it will then be commissioned for like a full season. So this is like a, the trial period to see how well it gets received. So yeah, I'm really first interested in because Channel Four have no rights to have no Premier League rights. Um, yeah, I'm releasing it now when the season's over is particularly interesting. So 
I hope it goes no, and, and, and also, like, the time slot is also influenced because, remember, this is 12 a.m. on a Friday night, so obviously it's like... And, it, and it's Channel 4. They're so setting them up to fail. Edgier. This is a no, setup. No, no, this is the post-pub crowds. This is, so the idea is you, you go out to the pub, you come home, and you and you and then you watch it. Yeah. It's, it's like a... That's a very particular slot that Channel 4 has been using since the 90s. Channel 4 take the 12 o'clock slot on... Thursday, Friday night, very seriously, because it's you're aiming for the post pub crowd. You're aiming for people who go out, have four pints after work, come home, and then rather than go to sleep, just sort of pass out in front of the sofa. Yeah. So the TV stays on and they get ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, like when Channel Four first first started, that's how they did a lot of their music shows. Would go on at this time. All right, um, Carl. You, you, you said you had one thing or a couple of things. I am in talks with something very exciting in the world of football. So. Mm-hmm. I can't talk about right now. Um, Give us a so clue. If, if, you're li- if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a fan, just put some good thoughts out in the air and, and hopefully it comes off. Um, Pray for your boy. This was the Talking Tactics Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember, we do this every Tuesday. You can subscribe on the Apple Podcast Store, wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to follow us on social media, at Talking Tactics on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on SoundCloud. I'm at Daniel Salut. Call the people can find you where? Anchorman616. Half hope the people can find you where? Half hope hot. This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football, la 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 la. Indeed, we'll see you next week. Peace. Stay black, stay black, stay black. Oh, <laughs> oh my, that is wow. That is that he really stole my mind. Wow. Sports Social Podcast Network.